welcome to Gom Jabber with the Muad'Dweebs. I am your host for this evening, your Reverend Mother, Lillian Brislin, and I'm not going to mess up this intro like I did one of the last times. We have read our way through Dune Volume 1, a few chapters at a time, as we felt like it, and now we are into the appendices. Joining me tonight, my co-host, Alec Boyle, Jess Stevens, and our extra special, Liette Can Get It co-star, James Nager of Shrams Mead, back for a victory lap. Gentlemen, <laughs> introduce yourselves. Before we introduce ourselves, you talked about some appendices, which appendix isn't really necessary, but the rest of your name very much is. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, Reverend, Mother, Lillian, Helen, Banana, Moyam, Gaim, Helen, Hatterstam. Banana. Yeah, Banana. much, much better. <laughs> much, much better. Okay, now well, I Well, much like our podcast, Lily's introduction was both thorough, yet flippant. <laughs> and forgetful. <laughs> we had hoped that we would be wrapping up this reading of Dune at the time of the movie release. As you all know, nothing about this year has gone as expected, and here we are. And so we are venturing into new and uncharted territories, namely... What? I sound like my Southside grandma. The Tertint. <laughs> okay, can we introduce ourselves now? Yes, please. Cool. Uh, Alec Hugo. You piece of <laughs> shit. I am Alec Boyle, the Baron Harkonnen of this podcast. I'm about to pull out Josh's heart plug for his bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I... Creepy. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. I am. Uh... I'm not going to lie, this. no cape tonight. I'm wearing a blue linen shirt and some Patagonia baggies because sometimes the Baron's just got to be comfortable. <laughs> I am, as always, it. to blame for this entire podcast, and I'm going to turn it over to Josh Stevens for the remaining moments of his existence. Yeah, that's me. Um, I um, I used to be sort of tiny famous on the internet about uh, doing Groupon stuff, and now I am a corporate drone but I enjoy it. And um, I'm also our Gurney Halleck. And uh, our... I don't know. I don't know. Your guy we... that doesn't know his Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross quotes. That's I, that, is, that is true. I'm ashamed. I, I am ashamed. He's a sales, he is a sales trainer. I am a sales trainer. I'm a new sales trainer. Maybe I haven't gotten to that stuff. That's right. I have a bottle of Glenn Gary scotch in my house right now, and I'm like, does that imply the existence of a Glenn Ross scotch somewhere out there? In the well, there is, Glenn Ro- there is Glenn Roth. There is Glenn Roth. Is that what you're talking about? No. Oh, okay. Well, Go watch, you've got Glenn watch Gary. a fucking movie, Josh. You've got Glenn Gary, and I've got Glenn Roth. The sales movie of all time. Hello, and welcome to Gom Jabber with the Dudes. <laughs> Let's get to James. <laughs> yes, <laughs> wow. Our Leah wow. Kynes. Our, our Leah Kynes and, and resident troll. I, I'm your biggest fan. I'm glad to be back. Obviously, um, I've been hitting a spice a little bit, and uh, I've got a ton of notes. I think my notes are probably the same length as the appendix, so I'm happy to get through this. You have I, more notes than Lily. This Red. is some. This is some dense material here. This is and this is right in my wheelhouse. So, dear listeners, I am excited for this episode. An ex extended segment that we have previously referred to as Dunademia because these dweebs had a group chat and didn't include me on accident and (laughs) I didn't know we were recording tonight and so despite being really excited to read this chapter like most of my students this semester I have done none of the reading and so James our (laughs) resident 
Planetologist and plant organ expert, I believe, is going yeah. to talk me yeah, through you got this. It right. It's going to school talk you. Talk me through this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, not, let's not pretend that you weren't included. You were included just on the wrong uh, social media. Account. No. Yeah, I, I, that was my fuck up there. No, I, don't I fuck up, James. Create... You know, I keep it on the DL. I'm, I, I, yeah, I got alter yeah. egos, <laughs> schemes and schemes and schemes. Don't try to find yeah, me, me please, on social media. Just at me at gomjabber, G-O-M-J-A-B-B-E-R. If you love us, give us a shout out. Shout out to Thuggish Ruggish Vic. Still my favorite fan that we have. No offense, Spicy James. Dune memes. Just... Spicy Dune too. Spicy Dune memes. Also my favorite. So Our, we're Instagram BFFs. All right, so my dweebs, my dweebs, what did you read this week? What did y'all read that I have not? Well, I read a chapter, appendix number one, that starts with a quote. I might like to share that quote oh, with y'all if like you feel Maybe like you should it. let Lily read the quote since she, you know, didn't read <laughs> nah, anything else. she done. She done. <laughs> I think you could have let her contribute something. That's fine. That's she'll fine. she'll <laughs> contribute her enduring place as our most Wait, popular I, host. I've got a you got to let me get some airtime where I can. I got a question. <laughs> I have something that I forgot to bring up from before the appendices. Oh, Christ no. on a stick, <laughs> So I have, I have a one Josh, more thing at the beginning of the episode. One, you can't I'm one more thinking, one more I'm thing. one more thinking the book before we head into the appendices. How do you feel about that? Not great. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a world's collide. This might, it's just this a world's might collide. end up being three episodes. It's really just a world's collide. And it's, it's not, it's not going to take long. Oh my god. A retroactive one more thing. All right. Retroactive one Lay more thing. On Here we go. Here we go. So in the chapter where we get to hear all about the giant tent that the Padishah Emperor brought with him to Arrakis. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is like eight chapters ago. It was, right? a, it was yeah, but I'm, I'm more thinking I'll, the uphill book. all the way. The, the book. I'm I'm more thinking the whole book as a he whole. He definitely pops a huge tent, right? <laughs> he does, he does, he does. It's not a small it's a tent. Massive Let me be tent. Clear. It's a massive tent. We we went over this. Um, a little braggadocio, but and it's like <laughs> packed with tons of stuff, right? I mean, the, he's got every little thing in there, and it reminds oh. me of the episode of Parks and Rec, right? Does anyone know this episode of Parks and Rec where they get I know exactly. Yes. yes. Okay, and Tom Haverford brings the entire SkyMall catalog with him. <laughs> that that's my worlds collide, and then runs it off the battery and runs truck. Is yes, a great bit and of then that. The, and I think that is exactly what happened. The Emperor. Because when they were done with their whole tent thing, I don't think that ship ever flew again. It did not. <laughs> Grounded for life. One more thing, World Collide. There you go. All right. That's where, I it. think that's where we were first introduced to DJ Roomba, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, I maybe. love DJ I think, Roomba. I think, it might, I think it might have been the first DJ Roomba. All right. I can't be mad at that retroactive one more thing. That's a really good one. Tom Haverford. It's Aziz funny. I thought that I did it. And, and so I think one of the reasons I didn't end up huh. doing it is that I... I thought that I actually did it. So when I asked you both earlier if I had done this, vaguely done this one more thing, and you were like, no, I was like, they're trolling me. I'm going to do it. And then they're going to be like, you've already done that one. But <laughs> I was just waiting for you, for you guys to do that. But. This brings to mind, remember in the very like first or second episode when I did the Muppet cast? Yes. I love the Muppet we cast. We should start also when we talk about like other works, we should start doing Parks and Rec casts. Oh. Right? So Tom is the Padishah Emperor. Yeah, okay. Who is everybody else? Oh, so we're doing, we're doing, yeah, using, using the Parks and Rec characters. Interesting. The Reverend Mother. I don't know. I feel like Ron is, um, Ron is Count Fenrin. You think so? What? <laughs> huh. I was going to say, I definitely think he's one of the daddies. Um, yeah, that's the easy one. That's the easy way to go. 
It is the easy way to go. See, I think, I think he's. Still, I think no, no, no. I, I, I think um, who's the who's the one? No, has three different names. No, his real um, name. He's got he's got a bunch of names, and no one actually knows his real name until the very Gary. end. Gary, Gary. Or, or is it Larry? Is it is it Barry? What's his actual name? Jerry. 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 Gary. Yeah. Uh, I think he is Fenring. Super confident. Oh, no one knows it. Yeah. So interesting. So he's he's the he's a hidden he's a hidden uh, plant. I think I think Donna is Gurney. Oh. Huh. The troubadour. Mm Mm-hmm. Treat yourself. Right. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. All right. All right. Dear listeners, if you have thoughts on Parks and Rec as uh, Dune, James, if you have thoughts on Muppets as Dune, namely, who would you cast of the Muppet crew as Liet. Duke Paul Muad'Dib? And Liet. I mean, she <laughs> chooses only Muppet. Probably Animal. I don't know. As Paul? Yeah. <laughs> I love Just it. because. That fits. I did like that. Perfect. That actually fits. I could see... I can only see Animal waking up from a three-week coma and being like, I can see yeah. now! Yeah. I mean, half of the book, he is the... totally nuts. I mean, that, I think this fits. He's an animal. Perfect. So, can I read a quote so that James can start teaching us about um, toxic peas or whatever he discussed please. pre-show? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the eco- so, this is Appendix 1, The Ecology of Dune. Beyond a critical point within yeah. a finite space... Freedom diminishes as numbers increase. This is as true of humans in the finite space of a planetary ecosystem as it is of gas molecules in a sealed flask. The human question is not how many can possibly survive within the system, but what kind of existence is possible for those who do survive. Pardo Kynes, first planetologist of Arrakis. Yeah, P-Kynes. P-Kynes. Let me just point that out. This is going back okay. to our pea conversation about peas. I don't love. Yeah, this. we were talking about peas. I don't love this neo. This Let's not even neo. It. Just like yeah. straight up Malthusian nature of like, oh, so this is a very like late sixty, early seventies. Oh, the problem with human society is the population boom. Wait, so actually, Lily, goes this back is a little further than that. This is an argument you've brought up before, and I have a question. Okay, if there is not a population problem. Then why is half of the Gulf of Mexico dead from nitrous runoff? Nitrogen runoff. That's not a population problem, Alec. That's a phosphorus and nitrogen runoff problem. That's an agricultural production methods problem. Most of the most of the crops raised in the United States are not raised for human consumption, right? They are fed to livestock, which are wildly inefficient with converting feed into animal flesh protein, or they're made into fucking ethanol. If you're one of my colleagues, mm. please don't report me for this podcast. And so this is that's a technology problem. That's a production problem. That's not a population problem. And so here's my issue with Malthusian arguments. And James is right. Malthusian arguments come from like the late 1800s, but they just got really popular because it f- because when we say like it's a population boom problem, people need to have less kids. They never say we need to empower women. We need to make reproductive um, healthcare wildly and freely accessible. They don't make those arguments. They just say like people are making bad moral choices, and it never looks at the structures that create situations of scarcity, that create situations of whatever. We raise more calories 
per human than we ever have. There are more than enough calories to feed every human. We don't do so efficiently. We don't, and it's so it's a power problem. It's a misogyny problem. It's a racism problem, not an overpopulation problem. Because overpopulation seems morally neutral and it only puts the onus on the women that are bearing too many children. No Nuance November came in December, bitches. <laughs> so you're total what you're what you're what you just said is totally right. Um in the context of this chapter, it um you have to kind of go back to the ecology. So uh let's get into it, James. You're totally right. I want you to know, though, it goes to the like back to biology because the biology and the and those theories inform a lot of things. Like it's the same with eugenics, right? The idea of eugenics is relating to genes, not pe- not strictly people, and some other schmucks and and people took the idea of getting rid of genes and applied that to people, and that's when non-scientists start running away with this you know really terrible thing um the what the quote is talking about and what they reference several times in this appendix is something called carrying capacity which is like a very basic ecological and biological theory um which they reference it it forms like the basis of everything that they talk about in the dune series it started with the first book obviously but um this was popularized in the U.S. in the 1920s and really came into its own in the 50s. So it's it's feeding all these other theories that Lily was talking about. And obviously, Frank was aware of these and it informed his writing. And a lot of sci-fi is like that, where they'll take like a basic concept that enters the zeitgeist. And all of a sudden, it's in, it's in every sci-fi. I, I suspect people are going to do the same with CRISPR right now oh hell yeah you know crispr is a technology that has been around for not a long time five years six years maybe it resulted in two women winning the nobel prize um, for their independent work on the subject but nobody ever gets a nobel prize when they are not old and white like it it like nobel prizes are awarded for a lifetime of achievement and these women have achieved in a few short years what hundreds of old gray dudes have spent a lifetime on. And they're really, it's a really phenomenal technology that is truly going to say, is truly going to change the world in thousands of ways we haven't even thought about, you know, PCR is entering the zeitgeist. So carrying capacity is entering the zeitgeist in the fifties and the sixties. And it's, it's the problem with that is when people start to take this ecological theory and apply it to shit that it was never meant to be. Right. You know, like the social security number, it was explicitly meant to not be a unique ID number for people in the U.S., but we use it that way. Um, Carrying capacity is a very specific ecological idea. Um, Which is, so this is what I love about this, James. I, poor Alec and Josh are going to maybe, they shouldn't have let, given us enough rope to hang ourselves on this episode. This is what the fucking, people do not care about what me and Josh have to say. Let's be very clear. (laughs) Striplings. Here's what I love. And I, again, sociologist, not an agroecologist, but what I love about the, the interrogation of applying ecological concepts to social systems is people do, they say like, oh, here's something that reasonable scientists have observed in non-human systems. 
Surely the true is same for human systems. Ignoring oh. the fact that it's still humans that came up with those I have a side things. I want to get to to yell about when you're done. Sorry. Oh, I'm so excited. Ahead. Please yell about it. <laughs> and also, like, human systems are fraught with identity, culture, history, context, politics, all of these things. And so while this is my very short version of what is normally a long lecture, genetic engineering, CRISPR, any of those technologies are morally neutral, Right. They are mm-hmm. things that are possible yeah. within the universe that we live in, mm-hmm. but yeah. they are enrolled. Like exactly. When all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But when they are enrolled in human systems, that's when all the complications come up. So most of the time when I talk to my colleagues who are bench scientists, meaning they manipulate things in Petri Ooh. dishes, they do like basic science, they do cool things, they count leaves on lettuce bench. heads. That wasn't shade. Right. No, yes. No, that wasn't shade. That wasn't shade in the desert. Um, that was like We call them indoor biologists. I was like, in- she said it kind of like a, we like did a say it dragon. Like shade. No, like, no, 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 no. It was the it was the Reverend Mother. Like they're sitting on the bench. Voice. They ain't actually doing real science. They're just on the bench. Bench. When I you said bench, never, it was like bench. Yeah, I've was, never thought about it that way. It's mostly these because fucking bench scientists. Because bench <laughs> scientists would say oh, you she's vocal, a, you vocalized it in a very Reverend Mothery way. But those bench science colleagues would vocalize social scientists in the way that you could hear the air quotes. The way quotes. that you said bench yes. scientists? Yes. Exactly. Yes, the same, exactly. the same way that you just said bench scientists. Yeah. Oh, she's a Trigger. social scientist. Okay, Alan, please yell about things. <laughs> so my favorite example of this, like a bio concept getting taken way out of context, um, is, is this fucking obsession that I feel like is mostly spread through sort of the right half of the internet, but also other parts with alpha and beta, in particularly in men. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part about that spoken like that a true beta, Alec. I am such a <laughs> such a such a beta. Baron beta. That is based on bad wolf science. Mm. Right? The whole idea is based on this observation of wolf populations that when you threw a bunch of like unrelated male and female wolves into a cage together, they would sort out a social hierarchy. But it turns out in naturally occurring wolf populations, that arrangement never exists. Most wolf packs are a single family unit, and it's just like subservience to parents. <laughs> and then once you get too old to just listen to your parents, you leave and start a new pack. So like, there are no alpha and beta wolves in the real world, and you have all these fucking assholes with like, right, AK-47 t-shirts on Twitter being like, <laughs> alpha male life. Mm. Uh, and I just love that it's it's not only applying wolf science to people in the incorrect way, but that wolf science is 30 years out of date and was never correct. Absolutely. It's like the Enlightenment was like, oh, we can observe the natural world. This is in the origins of sociology also. Like, if we apply the tenets of science that got us gravity, that got us relativity, that got us the fucking DNA double helix... If we apply that to social life, then we can have the same exacting science. And turns out that we were bringing our human and cultural biases to our work in the natural sciences the same way that we bring them to our work in the rest of our lives. And so the ways that we were seeking confirmation bias in alpha beta wolf theory is like, no, we need to, we have that innate, innate bias that lets us want to see confirmation in the natural world of the way that we think the world should work, which is like alpha males on top women and we see this throughout dune okay chapter 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 dune content this is not a political ecology stay tuned for political ecology with the dweebs next season 
This sounds fit. This I'm I mean just because I'm a nerd and I'm your big I'm your second biggest fan, but um, who let a nerd in here? Wait, are you not our biggest fan There's and our second a, biggest fan at the same time? Yes, he's no, playing both positions. No, he's alpha and right beta fan. You're alpha Wait. and beta fan. I'm the beta, fan. <laughs> like Alec. I am also now the beta. So, <laughs> Yo, you no, really I was quick. saying this is a really this mix of people. Uh, and I'm not counting myself. I'm just talking about you three. Oh, you're in. It's super in. I, I feel in like you seat. guys should talk. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> now I get to be Paul. Um, <laughs> you guys, uh, it's a really interesting mix of backgrounds and ideas. I feel like I could listen to a podcast with the three of you on several different subjects. James, I think you'll well, you you might think have you to. take us up several levels. We're almost done with Dune. Several levels. I'll take it up, but take it down. Depending <laughs> on your weekly schedule, James, we might just have to add yeah. you. And then we just have, like, Andrew on, like, once a month. I mean, Or so this on is the a... frequent occasion when I forget that I'm supposed to record or read. <laughs> but, you know, this is a podcast about Dune from a feminist perspective and alcohol. And we're almost done with Dune. <laughs> and who better to join us for talking about what we have left than, uh, than James Day? Than alcohol. <laughs> then, yeah. Well, I am the embodiment of alcohol right now. <laughs> we're about I... Dune and alcohol. We're almost out of Dune. I just want to say. We came here talking about Dune and booze, and we're all out of Dune. <laughs> we're so not out of feminism, James. though. We, not, we got feminism to last. We do. <laughs> hey, at least the women can get onto Arrakis without having a full dossier written about them. That's oh. true. Hey, can I mention something about science? Because I, I listened to, I read something sure. this week that wasn't Dune, and uh you guys are all talking about science, and here we're talking about, like, inefficient uh, creation of meat products, right? And all of these things that we have to grow to create meat. You guys read about this uh, Just Ink fake chicken made from the chicken cells? All this fake chicken. Oh, is it is it printed chicken? It's like printed chicken. Yeah. I'm like, this is cool. I'll eat some printed chicken. It seems very uh, very good for, uh, for the environment. Now, I'm interested, Lily. Where does that intersect with your hatred of... Uh, Ponics. I don't. Of what? To be clear, I I have no specific animosity towards hydroponic system. Oh, I, that's I not have... what you've said to me in previous occasions. <laughs> I believe the I believe the phrase "fucking hydroponic bullshit" has left your mouth <laughs> no. at least once. Alec, no. As a she works with food systems. I there is always a place for off-season production, for creative strategies, for climate smart agriculture. Don't call me out my name, Alec. This is my field. Um, I am most interested in dirt farmers. I am curious about hydroponic farmers only. systems, right? And where they can and cannot find efficiencies. I love the debates around cultured meat. Right. So yeah. the it the attempts to, if anything, the um forceful, the stringent, the I don't know, passionate attempts by animal agriculture advocates, and I'm and I'm not against this at all. I just think it's interesting to see that the jockeying around language and so how much of our concepts of food are tied up in the words we used about them so that the dairy industry wants to say you can't call almond milk mm. milk. And the animal protein sector wants to say you can't call cultured meats meat or you can't call plant-based proteins meat. Oh. That, so that's mm. inviting a real Streisand effect, isn't it? What's a Streisand like, effect? Like if, milk, if, if yeah. the milk farmers of America somehow prevented almond milk from being called milk, 
That would send almond milk sales through the roof. What's you're still you just called it almond milk. <laughs> right. Well, so the Streisand so effect clearly is clearly what they're you're doing. Just call it almond juice, working. right? I mean, it's almond juice. Well, no, you yeah, call it legally work. not allowed to be called. Juice. I can't believe it's not almond milk. Right. There you right. go. Is it juice? <laughs> but the the Streisand effect is at one point Barbara Streisand sued somebody to stop what she called, I believe, libel. Right? They were saying something about her that she didn't like, but no one knew that they house. were saying that. Oh, yeah. Right, that was a <laughs> so picture of her house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nobody oh. knew that the picture was out there until she sued the picture taker, and then all right. of a sudden, everybody saw that picture. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just Stryfing and it was taken that. from a helicopter, and it was like at the time, oh, these crazy paparazzi—they'll do anything. They just got on a helicopter, James, you know. And now we've got the Streisand effect, James. Weren't you also here for the Berenstein Bear effect conversation in this podcast? Yeah, <laughs> you're bringing all the weird theories to this universe. I've got man. more. Oh boy, Let, more. well, let's get into it. <laughs> What else have we got? So, yeah, so the original idea, I mean, I we're, we're a little ways into this, but my original idea was, because Lily didn't read, that James could cover Not my the big fault. scientific f- fair. It's James's fault, so it's on him to fix it. James would cover the I'm big scientific concepts in this chapter and see uh, if Lily could understand them just from James's description. Yes. Dune Which Dune I think Dune. we've already answered. Okay. So... But, Hold on, before we before we get to the scientific parts, there's some like story stuff before that, um, and I can give you like a, a brief okay. a brief like. As yeah. we've learned, Josh is our lead tender dweeb. Josh this is, is my our worst, tender dweeb. This is my worst one yet th- because this doesn't really have much of a plot. So this is there's like some real free form <laughs> shit going on here because sometimes it's just like a feeling. I like it. Sometimes like it's this a episode. Feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's just like this episode. So sometimes you're just going like to get like... This is like my third favorite episode, Chom Rag, when you did <laughs> that thing that made me laugh for 24 hours. <laughs> hey, I mean, you can't beat a Chom Rag. Okay. <laughs> I mean... Um, yeah. Okay. All right. We'll set the scene. Arrakis. Oh, boy. Barren Wasteland. It has nothing to do with the, the Baron, which is Baron, Right. Introduce Kynes. But it is also the Baron's Wasteland at the time. At the time, it was the Baron's Baron Wasteland. Introduce Kynes. Not Liet, but P. Kynes. What's his first name? Pardo? Pardo. Pardo Kynes. Uh, He knows he must terraform it to fit man's needs. The Fremen are a valuable tool with unlimited potential, the two of them. He knew he had a bunch of things he had to do, including evading the Harkonnens, marry a Fremen, Make one, give him a son, so you can name him Liet. Uh, then teach Liet and all the other children of the Sitch ecology. Promote biodiversity. Uh, then, suddenly, Kynes is out in the desert again. Sees six Harkonnens fighting three Fremen youths. Three youths. All right, Yutes. he doesn't know what to do yet. Three youths. Uh, he Yutes. kills three of the Harkonnens. The youths take care of the last one. They'd already taken care of two, so it's kind of split fitty fitty. The Fremen don't really know what to do about this whole kind situation, right? They're like, oh, he did save our lives. We'll take him back. We'll take him back to our place. Um, so Kind starts talking. He's talking about a better future for everybody and, and, and water. And they're like, okay, I like what this guy's saying, but he knows too much. Let's choose him. Uh, <laughs> choose him. Choose him. Yeah. So this assassin comes for Kynes, and Kynes is like talking to some people, and this assassin comes and kind of like, uh, no, just, just leave me alone. I'm, I'm doing shit. And this assassin's like, holy shit, and kills himself. 
And what? that's a sign. Yeah, and that's a sign. And now they're all totally into Kynes. All right. So now Kynes um, is like elevated and they just start collecting water. All right. They start, they start doing all these things to collect the water underground because he dismissed this assassin. It's crazy. Um, so then here's, I think this is James's favorite line uh, because they regard him as just mad enough to be holy. <laughs> um, then something about a Tansley effect. I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, then they research, then he researches a whole bunch of shit meticulously for like a long time. The friend like, hey, how long is it going to take to get this water that you're talking about? And he's like, oh, you know, like three to five hundred years. And they're like, oh, not what we were expecting. But cool, we're patient. Uh, and then they start growing these like juicy tubers. So these juicy tubers up at high altitudes. <laughs> they grow like- the juicy tuber aside was so Yeah. Like, like That's these, what I call like it. These six feet long juicy tubers <laughs> that have like a half a liter of water <laughs> On a good day. So this is where the leader, I think this is where the leader John came from. Um, <laughs> a leader John is one juicy very, tuber. Very masculine. Yep. Yep. Up in the north, altitude, high altitudes of the it's north. alpha tuber. They've got these alpha tubers. Um, then one day, Kynes spots the salt pan. He's like, holy <laughs> shit, there was water here. Then he like makes some guy a limnologist. I don't know what the fuck that is either. Uh, then they start talking about the spice cycle. And we're about to get into all the real sciencey aspects of it, but we kind of find out about how there's these little water stealers, and the way they found out these little water stealers exist, the sand trout, is because every time there's a spice blow, they find out this little late leathery shit, um, and it's like these dead Whoa. sand trout. Um, <laughs> well, they know they're not dead, right? That is a dormant reproductive vector. What? Okay. See again, I didn't understand. It's an endosis, Josh. And I'm going to give Let's it to you now. Let's get to the rundown. Let's get to the rundown. No, I mean, this is, this is, ba- this is basically it. If someone wants to really explain the si- this spice cycle, they can do it better than me. Uh, then, So then we learn about the spice cycle and worms and then science. And then I'm, I'm out. I got story, no science. Spice cycles <laughs> were science. Uh, this, that yeah. was excellent, Josh. As someone who read 0% of this chapter, I feel like I've, I'm pretty much expert now. Okay, good. What was the first thing you didn't know? The what's a what's a effect? Uh, oh, the Tansley effect? Tansley effect? Anyone know what that is? Yeah, Tansley effect. It's on... uh... I may. Oh, I'm ready. I'm listening. I'm Googling. So, Tansy was an ecological thinker. I didn't write anything down about the Tansley effect, but I remembered looking it up so that I could speak about it. And I forgot everything about it. It's an (laughs) ecology reference. Um, I don't think... So, this particular one is nebulous because I think that Frank... Read about Tan- the the guy Tansley, Arthur Tansley, and some of the things that he did in ecology, and then completely misunderstood it and made up a thing like the Tansley effect. You know, <laughs> like uh, uh-huh. if I was gonna, you know, if some one of you was gonna write a sci-fi book, and you could it call it me. the Nager Drive, it would be me, you know, like not understanding J- anything about yeah. what you talk about the Brislin Drive. Like, yes, you know, it's, a, it's a, the Nager the Brislin Drive. Starship has a dr- yes. an engine it's a called the Brislin Drive. It's a bean, it's a bean powered spice fume Ooh. drive. Yeah, ten out yeah, of so ten. So the Tansley would be effect. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is just like a clunky reference, and mm. like if you were an ecologist, you'd read this and think. I don't know what that is. Maybe I'll look it up. You find nothing, and then you realize, oh, he just he just made it up. I think he was a pioneer. Google in the says to me that it is the process whereby 
Uh, a bunch of the cumulative outputs from a group of highly skilled disciplined professionals all studying the same problem and routinely sharing their findings. Each new independent finding becomes a common input to everyone else's problem. So uh, they, they do almost define it. In positive feedback loop. Yeah, no, that sounds familiar. He does kind of define it, actually. So it's open source. It's open source ecology. Mm. And that's why he wanted to get the children into this from the beginning, right? He's like, I can't do shit yeah. with adults. I need to do a whole new generation. My son's going to well, take this over. remarkable to me from what you're saying is this is then just two generations. So this is Papa mm-hmm. Kynes. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. she's baby mm-hmm. Leah. Mm-hmm. So he's the no. first ecologist. Uh-huh. Do we know what number our Leah Kynes is? Yeah. Is he two? It's his child. Yeah. Okay, just want to make sure and that, that Liette wasn't also a title, so there were multiple Liettes in this scenario. Uh, no, I don't think sure. so. Just yeah, sure. reasonable, but I don't. Th- everything in the chapter seems to imply that it is the son. I thought at first, but then I was like, oh, maybe we should assume what what number was. Yeah, it? well, and that's second. my big literary objection to this section is I'm just like, I don't. No, in fact, there's a section at the end that maybe you missed, right, where mm-hmm. they talk about how Liette was. Working on this terraforming project when his people were afflicted by a hero. Ah, yes, and then definitely the same. Uh, and and I just I think, go ahead, James. I think Josh also misread a part where they explained the name Uliet. I didn't even bring up Uliet. It, I didn't even bring up Uliet. that is the older one and the younger one. Yes, U- so Uliet it just means older Liet, like. That's Liet, like John Jr., but the older one is Uliet. Oh wait, so they they so are you saying that they named Pardo Uliet in there? That was like his his uh, fremen name. Yes, oh. yes, and also I some other that dude that he, he liked didn't, and just took the name from. Uh, I'm not sure if it's just like his nickname, like uh, mm. but that like if I call you Daddy O, I got you, I got you. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Because D- I know you've got a kid, I could call you Daddy O. Sure, I call him U Daddy O. <laughs> Or like Maddie's dad. That's what they called me at the preschool. That makes sense, yeah. So that's his nickname now is Liet's dad. Liet. Mm. Yeah. Liet. I don't know. Mm. The elder, elder Liet. Yeah, that's okay. good. That's that's what kind of got me thinking that it could also be like a title thing, but no, you're you're right. Alright. Well, I think we should let James get into some science. Let's do, let's do some science. science. Oh no. Science. I think that's what people are here. Baby. You should see my show notes here. The first thing I wrote, science versus technology. This is part of the reason why I, I think I didn't know about the Tansley effect because that um, like basically what I, what, what you described about that is, is like the basics of science, right? Like you mm-hmm. stand on the shoulders of Giants. the people that came before you, you cite them. Right. And so all science builds upon itself like that. And I, I, so I didn't even know that the Tansley effect was a you know a thing that somebody decided to name after themselves or it's whatever. Just it's like knowledge. this is the basics. It's just called knowledge. It'd be shitty if, he, yeah, if he named it himself, right? Hopefully, someone well, after him named it after him. Not that he like this is the Tansley. Yeah. You know what, James? Yeah. You're right. That is yeah, a total right. dick move to be like people sharing knowledge and findings with each other. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. call that the Brislin effect. I'm describing it. Yeah. No, but like so. That's the that there's a there's a difference here between knowledge and science, right? Like science is special, um, and science is not technology. So basic when you talk about basic science is really what I was doing when I was um, a grad student. Um, you, you have to separate it from technology. So I wanted to correct Josh or um, 
Alec when he was talking about culture Go meat. On. And he, I think he made a comment. It was something like, hey, guys, speaking of science, did you hear they're growing meat in a lab? Yeah, that was me. And yeah. I thought it was very – I thought it was cool. It's like they've been growing meat in a lab for like 45 years on the science part of it. But what you're describing is technology I because it's there's no – there's no research going on at this, you know, at this company. Oh, fair. Okay. You know, they're just. I love that distinction. Well, you know, market research. So there's a difference between science and, and technology. And really what we're talking about in this chapter is, is science. Um, and the human application of it is the terraforming stuff. Well, hold on. Let me pause you right there because, well, let, let's talk about in, in the part that I didn't describe kind of in, in between the lines there. There's, he starts doing all this research and then he gets his imperial funds to start these like, yeah. official research facilities. And then he starts pointing some Fremen there. And then they start stealing imperial equipment, technology yeah. that helps them yeah. do their science and create all these, um, these amazing underground caverns that allow them to uh, yeah. start to harvest the water. So it ends up being technology yeah. and science together. So Kynes is doing, uh, the elder Kynes is doing science in, in the appendix is describing this process of like experiments and different groups. And uh, that when the science turns into technology is when they discover the barren zones are actually giving some sort of fertilizer to their plants. It's like a, an unexpected outcome. That's when they stop doing science and start to apply the technology to terraforming the, um, the planet. Mm-hmm. Up until then, Kynes is just like, oh, fuck if I know how long this is going to take. 500 years, maybe it's not going to work. So they're doing experiments, and there's mm-hmm. the science aspect. And then, you know, he discovers the barren zone has all these compounds. I don't know, remember, sulfur, nitrogen. Well, I don't know what he said. When he discovers the barren zone is, uh, you know, an unexpected result, um, that's when he like he redoes his calculations in his mind and he <laughs> discovers, oh, okay, we can actually do this. And they move on to technology. I um, love this, point, James, so. because I feel like my professional work, and this is the most, this episode is the closest gom jabber has ever come to my life, is often in that exactly that crux between the science of things and the application of them. So the, and it's, in my case, it's not technology in the way that we know it, but it's like social programs or policy or whatever it is. And you can't, they can't exist outside of each other. And I think that that nexus, that dialogue between the two is the, is the leading edge of social or scientific transformation that they have to be in dialogue with with each other. Cause it's one thing to bench science Bench science is one thing to be like, oh, this is how the proteins interact. This is how the mitochondria, blah, blah, blah. And it's another to be like, sure, but this is how we have to mulch the fields. This is the actual, I'm on a project right now with like light units. I'm the social scientist on a project that's looking at like daylight units and heat units on high tunnel salad. Chill hours. Yeah, all that shit. And I'm like, Yes, but isn't it interesting that we insist on baby lettuce mix? Like, who wants to raise babies in the winter? Who wants babies lettuce mix in the winter? Is there a different way to approach Fucking it? Fucking hydroponics. <sighs> Those, Fuck it's baby actually, carrots. This is actually, yeah, baby carrots are a goddamn lie. 
They're not babies at all. <laughs> fuck baby They're carrots. They're fuck geese. Okay. This is just like the Berenstain Bears thing. you got to describe what you're talking about. I know what you're talking baby about. Baby carrots. Baby carrots are know, not carrots. They're just the waste product let, of shitty carrots. Let's put a spo- spoiler alert at this point in the podcast. <laughs> if you don't know the dark Truth. secret behind baby carrots, fast forward. Like, Alec, how long They're like me. Let's, you, for the next minute. Baby just carrots. Yeah, just hit your phone. I'll, I'll limit it to 45. Wool. So just hit the plus 45 button on your... Podcast. Listen on if you'd like the wool pulled from your eyes regarding because you can't carrots. unknow you go can't ahead. unknow what are, we're about you to can say you never can't unknow go back. This knowledge. Okay. They don't even taste like anything. This is what is this carrots. like a red pill? What are the what are the McGiddyans mm-hmm. call it? Mm-hmm. D- dear this is a red pill, pill moment on baby pill, Picture me, no, a, a beautiful woman. I am a beautiful woman, and I am existing in my mid thirties, and then I transfer into my late thirties, and I think, oh no, I'm beginning to become wizened and gristled. And so I I apply chemical exfoliants and I apply manual exfoliants to my exterior to whittle me down to the only the most tender yet still tough and relatively yeah. unappealing Are we core. Are still talking about the carrots? Yeah, this is a carrot metaphor. <laughs> I think this I is think, a carrot metaphor. I think your metaphor is amazing. Thank you, I think you, it Jack. also misses... Don't they just take... First, they take these... Big yeah. ugly ass carrots that no one wants. Random, That's me. Random and they, I'm the ugly they carrot. They take these huge bulbous carrots and they throw them through yeah. a machine for uniformity. Yes. Right. They right. grind yeah, it down. What, it's what like about that? Did her metaphor process. miss? Wait. Now I'm angry. <laughs> baby, baby carrots are the are the the center of the carrot. Yeah, it's just a they take big carrot. carrots. But what? Uh, what part it. of that did Lily's metaphor not capture? Thank you, Alec. All of my glycolic acid peels, all of my lactic acid, all of my exfoliating almond husk. I'm just trying to whittle myself down to the tender carrot just, core. I, I don't know. I just more picture like they yeah. just put you in a, in a wood chipper. I like, win that's a, yeah, a lathe. That's what it feels like. They run like. them through a lathe. Yes. I yeah. went a cannib- like a cannibal direction with that when I was like, Lily's going to start to talk about her tenderloin, and I don't know if I could deal with that. <laughs> I was that's wondering when like Lily was, was going to put her no, head like, through No, like that's more like the baby confused. carrot situation. They take a big carrot and they grind it down, and it's, and just it's the a lot of you know. And any of us that know carrots know that the outer part is going to be the most tenderoni, and the it, inner part's going to be. But well, do, do I still buy? Do I still buy baby carrots? Hell yeah, I do. I do it. I do it because they're there. I grab oh. them. I dip them in the thing. You might not want to, and I'll tell you why. They're terrible. Um, they're gross. So there's an, so I don't, I don't know, Lily, when were baby carrots, quote unquote, invented? Like, what is this process? Not that long. Like not too long ago. Like maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, it was not too long. I I was listening to another podcast uh, that I think was Gastropod. Gastropod, my favorite. One of the best podcasts of all time. Yes. Um, Besides this one. Um, And the reason why an entire generation of, I don't know, I still consider myself a kid. But like I, I, I'm old enough that I'm calling other people kids now. You have Tw- children. There you are, are pe- a father. There are pe- yeah, I am old <laughs> as fuck. Babies having babies. <laughs> so kids in their 20s and their th- early 30s, they do not know what TCA smells like in wine. So there's a, a an off aroma in wine. It's very famous. It's called. It, it's the result of a chemical called TCA. And it's one of the most potent aromatic compounds we've ever come across as human beings. And it, 
it's frequently called cork taint. Oh, corked. Wine. When something's corked. Mm. When something is corked. It smells corked. You know, it smells like mildew, like yeah. what I describe as grandma's garage or grandma's basement. Basement, yeah. You know, uh, all kinds of bullshit in the basement and it's been wet and dry ten mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. What a perfect smells musty like a wet yeah. dog. You know, it's grandma's Dang. garage for me because she always had the stinky something in the garage. Um, and it, you can imagine the sensitivity for human beings to this um, compound, this chemical. Um, it would be as if you had an Olympic sized swimming pool, put two grains of salt in one end of the pool, and you had a guy at the other end of the pool drank the water and said, this tastes salty. For real? That's, that is how potent TCA is. Um, Oh, in shit. terms of how human beings can can um, detect it, there's a it's like a two or three parts per billion huh. to detect it, four to six parts per billion to recognize what it is. Very very low, and you'd think like why why did this evolve? We have no like there are no no theories about why human beings are so sensitive to this because it's not like it's toxic or anything. Hmm. You know? Really, you, you can drink. Cor- you can drink corked wine and it you're just going to be not happy, but some people drink it. I would drink Anyways, it. TCA in wine, it's called cork taint or corked wine. Mm-hmm. The problem with that description is that it's very rarely to do with the cork at all these days, mm. but it used to be because in the 50s, to get the corks very white, they would boil them with bleach. And the problem there is you're getting these chlorine compounds in in contact with fungus and so it causes this trichloroanisole formation in the cork and so like in the 50s and the 60s and wines from that era which still exists by the way um the rate of this defect in the wine was like 60 percent or 70 percent that's a shocking number very yeah it was very high when they were boiling with bleach. Mm. And the cork industry was pressured to improve their process. And they're they're basically a monopoly. So they were like, fucking yeah. make us. White supremacy <laughs> you know? is a motherfucker, man. Where we're like, we need everything to be bleached. We need it to be white. pristine. We need it to be white. We need it to be unadulterated. Yeah. We need it to be industrial. We need it to be, ah, James. I got some corks on my desk here. This is incredible anyway, um, knowledge. Come for the dunes, yeah, so, stay for the booze. So that's that. That's what happens when you boil things that contain fungus, which is where the anisols come from. To our dear listeners, contain- um, James, <laughs> James has just wandered off into the surf. James <laughs> says, we are on Zoom, and James has a beautiful tropical background, and he just went to go yeah. find some corks, and he was like sharing anecdotal information and wandered off down the beach I, out of our eyesight. We could really only cool see Zoom thing here. Yeah, I love that Kynes. Kynes it's a moving beach. It looks like Memo Antonio on his Zoom feed, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Kynes would be just dreaming of dreaming that of water the in the yeah. open, dreaming right? of a doony future. Yeah, right, but there's water. no computers, what, so it's actually a bunch a of Fremen in palm like tree costumes. <laughs> All right, so my 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 bedroom is a fucking nightmare, and I've got a Moana thing. My kids did. Oh, nice. It looks like That's a nice. goddamn nightmare as well. Beautiful. Anyways, I wanted to show you the my corks. I love Wait, that he leaves corks in his cocks. <laughs> my corks. Hey, I got corks, corks here. What are you doing This is cork? how we're going to soak the cork. 
Hey, I got a bunch of corks here too. I got like a whole handful of so the, the one the one of these is bleached and the other one's not. Okay. Wow. And so exactly what you were saying, like the whitewashing, like there's a total racism component here because like this is what people think corks look like, and this is the color wow. when it's on the tree. Y'all, this is the difference so, between like a communion wafer and like a wheat thin. A potato. It looks like a russet potato. A russet oh, potato. Also given a sure. Yeah, it yeah, it, it is dark. Mm-hmm. And I'm also shouting out one of my one of my boys, Mr. Matt Price from Pips Meadery. Oh, so good. What what what, what bottle you know, his that? corks are pretty long. Uh... <laughs> his corks are pretty long. He's what a bottle long of James, what bottle of not, what bottle of Pips was that? Not as long. Not your, your, your corks are longer, it. James. I know your cork is longer than the Mets. What 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 bottle of Pips was that? <laughs> Boys and their corks, but I, I, honestly, why would, why I, would he I know that? Rightly Josh? tell you, how would he not? Yeah, I, I remember Josh every bottle would of Pips. Know that. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> because because I'm spoiled. I don't know because I'm spoiled. spoiled. Matt yeah. um, is a good friend, and he sends me way too much. Uh, mead, and he's <sighs> he's man. the most generous person in the entire industry. He's super cool, and I, I love Matt, and he's a great guy. And, and you know, like there are people, I'm sure there are people that you know in in your fields that are super successful and they don't deserve it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Why I don't know what you're speaking about, M- Matt Price. <laughs> Matt's story is super cool. It's so good. It's so no, Matt Price is not that guy. Not that Matt guy. Matt is the guy that is for my money. I think he's pretty successful right now, yep. and he does. He one thousand percent deserves it. He's a great guy. Would you say he's also? But, a, um, do you think he's got some plan organ expertise, or is he just really deep in the <laughs> meat? <laughs> I I can't I can't speak to that. Okay. Um, I, I'll plead the fifth. Um, but he's a great guy. Well, we play Cork Call Link of Duty alone every other Friday. Pretty good indication. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, I'm trying to coach him and tell him about the longer corks and the benefits of the longer <laughs> ones, but he is using the same cork as we are basically, and I couldn't be prouder because it's it's like a costs like a dollar sixty for for one cork. Good and the industry, is like, industry average is like ten cents. So like the people that are actually looking at the quality spectrum for winemaking and packaging, they're like, there's a you know. There's the lucky few of us who get to play in this Six in this years ago, spectrum. I got one bottle of Shrams that had some off flavors that I thought I would have described as, as seeming corked. And then I sent them an email about it. And then like a month later, they had new corks. Like they just totally <laughs> changed all their corks. And I was like, okay. Did you email me? Uh, I probably emailed your wife. Okay. Well, th- that, was, said, okay. Uh, that was a, okay. that was a <laughs> program that I... Uh, <laughs> that I worked on for like a year. Nice. Uh, we were we were really unhappy with our original supply. And it was the original one. Like Ken had mm-hmm. figured out a whole bunch of stuff. Wait, you still haven't explained why kids nowadays don't know about oh. cork. Yeah. To be clear. <laughs> Sorry. I, let me, let me stop clear, y'all here. I could ramble about wine for yeah. six hours. That's why so we're here, James. This, <laughs> this is our one more thing. As the host for the evening, this is our one more thing. Why do kids nowadays not know about cork? We're going to have to reconvene yeah. this dune quadrumvirate. <laughs> three part, three, four part episode featuring. On the first appendix. On the first appendix, yes. This guy the with the appendix. juicy tuber. <laughs> um, uh, and please don't do that this time. <laughs> That's going to be the episode title.
It sorry, totally is. Juicy sorry, Tubers is sorry, so James. totally. Yeah, sorry, not oh, sorry. Oh, God, I stepped right in that one. <laughs> yep. um, you like it. So, <laughs> all right. So, Lily, this is a part that you probably know about. Besides the God, besides the travesty of the way that they grind these carrots down, these poor carrots, <laughs> the, they're grinding face. them down into their the little round little nuggets that are sort of all the same shape and by Two the way one. each different shape that you get it's like you a know, chicken is, nugget is intentional it's a yeah. chicken nugget thing exactly right, there's like the bells and the bows and the yeah yeah they wanted them to be uniform they would do it they got the, they got but the, they do it intentionally but initially to trick you initially it was just a green thinking that they're growing these things yeah. out of the ground like that but they don't pop out of the ground like that they're ground down but Save the really after that happened like this is a disgusting process like you think of the dirtiest ug uh, not and I think you did yourself real dirty on that uh, metaphor. This is the problem. You're not Thank a real you. ugly carrot. For the <laughs> podcast viewers at home. I'm just a carrot. There are three super ugly dudes on this uh, Zoom. <laughs> we all look like various shades of like 2020 has really beat us up. <laughs> Alex totally fucking bald. <laughs> Josh has got this like space commander headset because he's a sales trainer. And I'm sitting here, I look like I haven't shaved in 20 years, and I've got hair touching my shoulders, and i yeah. got a beanie on, a virtual background, because my house is a mess. Li- Lily, you are you are sticking out here. You are not an ugly carrot. I'm a baby carrot. I'm just a little baby carrot. I'm just, but, I'm just saying. So oh the carrots that garbage, go into this process are carrots. the ugly ones, right? And the bad varieties. I'm sorry. I just need to add another name to my name. So I'm Reverend Mother, Dr. Reverend Mother, Helen, Lillian, Gaius, Moyam, Banana, Banana. Baby Carrot, (laughs) Brislin. Baby Carrot, nice teeth, Brislin. (laughs) Go on, James. You know you can get it. Leah can get it. Tell us (laughs) about the Baby Carrot. My (laughs) wife is in the other room listening to me like, what are you doing? Um, No one flatters me anymore. I'll take it. You may have heard this like Instagram thing. It's like they're trying to sell you the ugly carrots now. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. everyone's so excited. Yeah, the box, the ugly, the ugly produce boxes. Yeah, and Lily, everybody should have you check heard out. About I think the, it's Gastropod. The, yeah, they have no. a great episode about baby carrots. But anyways, they weren't selling these carrots previously because if they tried putting them in the store, these prissy people were like, "Oh, that's not a carrot." This is a <laughs> so they're taking these like carrots that are so deformed that that they're unsellable. And they're grinding them down, and all of a sudden you're taking an unsellable product and turning it into something that's worth more because of suburban women. And so that's like the hey, tragedy of the baby. Hey, era. suburban women also got us Joe I mean, Biden. To, so to, to be fair, to be to yeah. be fair, this guy was like, I have all these carrots, and I'm just have to pay someone to take them away because I can't even do anything with them. And he threw them in a green no, they, bean cutter. He threw them in a key, in a green bean cutter. To get him to that uniform length, and then he threw, put him through like a yeah. potato peeler. He's like, huh? I mean, shaved it down very it's, it's save, save the carrot industry, right? <laughs> but they were like these one. garbage oh, carrots. And like James just said, right? right basically, like they're these produce these end up yielding less food waste. Yeah. Even though it's so they do, but also then they soak them in chlorine, just like you were talking about. That's what, okay. So that's tying it back around. I think we could have a food podcast, the four of us, like sociology, it's all about food, alcohol, ecology, whatever. Alcohol. The, 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 the bad part about baby carrots as it relates to wine is that after they grind these poor carrots down, like they face. boil, they, they steam them in, uh, in like water with bleach. 
And so you, there's this disgusting underground fungus laden process where you're taking carrots out of the ground. And anytime you bring chlorinated compounds in contact with ah. anisols from fungus, you create TCA. So if you want to know, if you want to train yourself about what TCA smells like, every single bag of baby carrots you have ever tasted and purchased from the grocery store is wet and crazy inside, right? Yeah. yeah. It's because it's still covered in bleach water from the baby carrot. Yeah, they don't have, the outer, they don't have you know? the outer protective coating that keeps all the shit from getting in there, and so they just get slimy and, then, and gross like, faster. And they do this intentionally because of suburban women have decided, I'm not going to wash these. I'm just going to hand them straight to my kid Mm -hmm. and then say, eat this. I don't even have time to wash this carrot. All right. All right. So that's why they do it. It's a very valid point. Basically sterile. I just, but it's bleach. I just want to slow your roll a little bit that on the women of like, I don't care to wash my carrots for my kids. These women are like, I'm doing literally fucking everything for this household. And, and everyone's looking and judging me for the lunches I pack my kids. Yeah. And w- really what we're speaking about is like affluent white suburban women, right? Like I mean, this is a very particular thing. Yeah. All those things. I'm so, referring to myself. Yes, yeah, like, yes, yes. I just want to I would classify myself as a suburban white woman at this point. <laughs> this baby Jesus, like, this baby way we get along so well. I'm like, oh, only my girlfriends compliment me this way. Like, honey, yeah. your skin is looking radiant. <laughs> Yeah, you are gorgeous. I'm super. You are. I'm super ignorant it. on like the trans sort of side of that kind of statement, but like, I I guess I mean to say like I am uh, like I'm we are raising our kids like totally hundred percent is both of us. Uh, you know, Allison still does some things. I still do other things, but like I'm a super progressive dad uh, yeah. in that these kids have been yeah. you know, raised by us. Um, in a in a weird way, but like, um, so yeah, I I don't we don't do the carrots just because of the TCA thing and because I think they're choking hazards. But um, uh, yeah, a lot of people like them, but every single bag, yeah, smells like TCA because there's TCA in there. This is a perfect conclusion to this episode. We've yeah. gotten through some or none of the chapter, but I fi- I have found this conversation fascinating. Um, hey, Josh I- covered the plot, so I yeah. feel like we did. Can we, can, our we, job. can we cover one? More thing about this chapter. It's like maybe the most interesting thing about the chapter, I think, from a Dune perspective, like the story. No, of we Dune. need to cover it next episode. No, next week. Next week. It's the, it's the, I want to. I want to close with a Hattersnack episode, and we will revisit this. You have a Hattersnack next week. I have a Hattersnack. I have a Hattersnack too. Next week, Josh. Next week, I'm the host this week. You got to do what I say. James has to come back. Josh <laughs> has to hold this one more thing. What I want to talk oh, about is sure. I don't, I don't. You write it down, Josh. You write, write it down. down. You have the fucking no, technology. No, no. I was sure that Lily was gonna forget the hatter snack, and so no, it came to me. It came to me oh. in the moment. It came to me in the okay. moment. All right. So what I want to talk about is I don't actually like baby carrots. Do I have them in my refrigerator? Sure. I buy them on impulse at the grocery store when I'm like, I should eat more healthfully. I should eat less cheesy poofs. I should eat less chocolate or whatever the thing is we've talked about our guilty snacks previously josh's were weirdly gummy bats a very specific Mm. secret snack yeah haribo so i'm not judging you for the carrots i'm not i'm not either i'm so this is i should clarify let's i want to create a non-judgmental space for what are the things that you eat that you're like 
I don't like these. Here's this is the very specific haddish mm. snack we're gonna go out Nailed of. It. I, I don't it. like these, but I keep eating them. I don't like them, but I keep eating them. What is your haddish snack? Mm-hmm. Huh? What's your? Oh, yours is baby carrots. Well, I'm gonna start with that, but you all have clear <laughs> ideas, and I, I so run with it. Baby, baby carrots. I mean, I'll eat them here and there because sometimes I need to dip something, and they're there and they're washed, and I don't have to do anything. But they still taste like garbage, and I hate it every time. But yeah. I used to really like this thing, and now I don't like this thing. This is a and good I keep one, yeah. trying them, thinking, how can I not like this? Like as a child, I loved like it. it like see it, I'm like, oh, this is like a beautiful thing. I'm gonna eat this thing, and every time now, I'm like, this is this sucks. Baby corn, baby, baby corn, and like corn's the fucking worst. It's disgusting. Inedible. Oh no, it's Inedible. so gross. It's so gross. Um, and it's funny that it comes after baby carrot, but it's it just tastes. Horrible. I can't do it anymore. Once the sheer novelty of the tiny cob of corn that you can... They were so cute and so fun, and they now taste like such garbage. Did they get worse? Did they change them? No, your taste just evolved, and you... They're they're just crap. That'll be in the next episode when we break the seal (laughs) on the baby corn conspiracy. The baby vegetable conspiracy. (laughs) Because maybe there's a dwarf version of corn cobs, but I highly doubt it. Like, there are some things, the baby blah, blah, blah is actually just a dwarf version of it, and that mm-hmm. could be delightful. Perhaps the corn could come to a full maturity. No, baby corn be- is just immature corn. Yeah, it's just bullshit. It's gross. Okay. Uh, it's disgusting. I thought there was some conspiracy. Baron, maybe. I mean, I'm sure Baron, there still is, but. Baron Boyle, do you have a food like this? Because it seemed like, based on your reaction, that you did. No, and maybe this is why I'm so fat, but I don't eat anything I don't like. <laughs> right? If I if I like a thing, I eat too much of it, and if I don't like it, I don't eat it. You know, growing up together, you told me that you had this this theory or this like way of life where if you didn't like something, you were going to keep eating it until you liked it. Your goal was to not dislike anything. So the the, the interesting point, I have arrived at the single consumable object in the world that I do not like, hands down. And? And it is egg whites. I think egg whites are fucking gross, and I don't understand (laughs) why anyone consumes... Like, like I'll eat a deviled egg, right? Because the spices in the yolk are enough to overcome the egg white. Right. It has no... But I don't... I don't, like... I hate egg whites so much, I don't like a meringue. I hate meringue. Wow. I like it. Like, meringue like reminds meringue. me too much of egg white. And oh, I'm like, no. Nope. Yeah. Meringue's, meringue's just gross. Fuck out of here. I like egg whites. Meringue's gross. So you're to our egg listeners, whites. these dweebs' faces is... while discussing egg whites are remarkable. They are if... the epitome of disgust. <laughs> if I scramble is... eggs and I fail to blend them thoroughly enough and there's un, like there's still <laughs> distinguishable egg whites in them... I will contemplate oh, throwing out that plate of scrambled eggs. Seriously, like, like the bocce plates where they sometimes get like the egg white in the in the fried rice. There, it's gonna, that's okay. Uh, Wait, but the fr- there's enough almond, there's enough um, sesame oil and okay. soy sauce. I okay. don't give a shit. Right, All you right. can hide egg whites, and I will tolerate them. Fine. This is the most beta thing you've said. I'm fine with that. <laughs> egg whites have made me egg their bitch. Oh man! Oh man! Wow. You gotta have a sunny side up egg. Yeah, I, don't I will like eat. A, no, I will. I will eat a fried egg or a sunny side up egg because the liquid so yolk is glorious fried enough. Fried egg that is it, like, different. Sunny side up requires yeah. sunny that side the up? albumin at the top of the sunny side egg is still liquid, which I cannot get by. I need oh, a fully I'm fine with that. Albumin. Oh, 
You want like, a liquidy oh, so Alex, algorithm? You will eat an egg Don't like you'd eat a fried egg. I eat every kind yeah. of egg, but I want all oh. of. But I because want... because there's so much rich, glorious yolk there that it covers and right. Mainly, I made it for the pocket of sauce that is the yolk. You got to get it so that the the albumin has just it's gotten so thin. It's, like you, it's not really liquid anymore. It's just like a membrane, just like and you could do over medium. Yeah, no, it's it's okay if you if Based you get it, it right to that perfect Based spot. Base it, baby. Basted, huh? You you know if you know if you came up in Midwestern, specifically Wisconsin diner culture, if you know what a basted egg is, and yeah, you know I don't. It's not y'all. No, don't I have know. no idea what that is. <gasps> okay, my wife. What is a basted egg? <laughs> Let's ask. Hey, does she want to get on the podcast? <laughs> she doesn't know either. Over. She would be a great addition to the podcast if this was a. Uh, we were going to do a podcast about food and food, sociology food and related and ecology. She could do the culinary. Ooh. She's a whiz. But she doesn't know what a basic yeah. egg is, so... No, she know. looked at me weird. Yeah, not so, knowing what Wisconsin niche food culture is does not, not niche disqualify food culture. This is how <laughs> I qualify a diner. So if you ask for a basic egg and any it's chef exactly what I know, like. and I know a few, is you have the egg and it's in the pan and you... Either two approaches. The the more traditional approach is you're frying your egg in ample fat, and you baste the fat up over the top. So it is very similar. It's like a a roasted egg. No, it's basting. It's It's, literally basting. You're taking the liquid from the pan. Whereas a sunny side up egg, and most people don't think of them this way. Sunny side up egg. The albumin is still translucent and liquid at the top, which I do not find appealing. That's not a basted egg. You baste mm. the fat up over the top so all of the white is fully cooked. Alternate methods, the one that I do at home, because whatever, you pour just a little bit of water in the pan, you put a lid on it, so it poaches Steams just the top. Steams the top. Yeah, and that's poaches perfectly the top fine, of the egg. There, sure. There's a great way of, uh, there's a great Chinese way of cooking fish that's kind of like that, where you fry the whole fish partially on either side, in, yeah. like deep fry it in the wok, and then you pick it up by the tail... And ladle the fat into the like Ooh. slices that you've made in the flesh, oh, and they yeah. crisp them and then drip down the side. It's a true delight. Gorgeous. All right, this episode has been something about Dune, something about ecology. I'm not gonna lie. Eggs. I think it might be our best episode yet. <laughs> I think we've really peaked here, James. You are tied to us forever and ever. Sorry, you have to keep coming back. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I have been your brilliant host for this evening. Absolutely. Keeper- the Hatter Snacks and egg lore and mythology and technicalities. We look forward to meeting Ms. Liette uh, someday. <laughs> uh, to my colleagues, Alec and Josh, hat tip as always. And I'm just uh, going to end this episode of There Are Untold Depths of the Duneverse in Dunedemia. Join us. Next episode for more Dunedemia, more ecology, more political dunology, and feminism, because I can't go an episode without saying it one more time. Thank you so much. Later, nerds. No! Oh, we know. And this is the stinger, motherfucker.